at the end of every Planet Earth episode, they're like, and this is all dying. (laughs) All this cool shit you watch, it's all dying. We should do something about it. Yeah. And the call to action is just too large, you know, like, and if I, yeah, I, I, if I can't even watch the dope ass documentary, I'm sure that I couldn't handle, I couldn't stomach being the scientist that has to watch it all happen in slow motion. (laughs) Because unfortunately we just don't put power in the hands of scientists, unless it's some stupid shit like the nuclear bomb, (laughs) right? Welcome back to I'm the Villain. So today we are going to do another episode very much in the same vein as our Social Dilemma episode where we watched with our friend Hanyu. And so today we're watching, or we just watched, an episode of the Netflix series Connected about nuclear weapons. Which is interesting because I feel like it connected us back to our effective altruism episode. Because I remember one of the top five things that they said they were worried about was nuclear war. And I remember at the time we were like, eh, like, I don't know, at least for me, I don't I don't think of that as like the top, you know, five things that I worry about on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. I have actually, it's definitely, I mean, not top five things that I worry about on a daily basis, but I have, I've consumed media before that sent me similar messaging, you know, mm-hmm. that like, Although this isn't a thing that we think about, this is a thing that, like, could end our world in seconds, you know? Yeah. And it's so funny. It's that kind of thing that's like, you know, there's this part in the documentary where they're like, oh, but wait, there's an upside, right? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and like, wait, the upside yeah. is just that we can know whether art is fake or not? That's the upside? I, do, <laughs> I think they should have led with the stuff about cells before the stuff about art. Um, art. Yeah. Yeah, for the stuff about art. So, for the listeners, um it's the the sh- the purpose of the show connected is like to talk about a thing that most people have a basic level of understanding of and talk about how it's actually interwoven with a lot of other things that you didn't know. And um the nukes, I think the I think the thesis of this episode and Isabel, you can correct me on this if you think I'm wrong. The thesis of this episode seemed to me seemed to me to be, yo, nukes are super fucked up and really bad. Because we did nukes, we can now do these like four cool things. Um, but you shouldn't be sad that we're not doing nukes anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that what you got from it? Yeah, yeah. I mean basically the it was like, okay, it's connected to like carbon dating which allows you to tell whether like you know somebody has faked a painting by some famous person it like allows you to do like carbon dating on fat cells which allows you to like to understand that fat stays in your body forever or something (laughs) yeah so it it's actually quite sad (laughs) Um, essentially it's like once um, you get fat you don't go back it's like stays in your body for like 10 years yeah, the, the once you get fat cells, <laughs> um, those are the fat cells you have forever, essentially, or into adulthood for for ten years, and your body is built evolutionarily to store fat because we lived in some harsh famines and shit. So now, it's like yo, 
all the fat cells that you gain are going to stick with you for 10 years. And when you lose weight, they're just getting smaller. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so much easier to lose weight when you don't have as much fat cells. Well, it's like easier to gain weight than to lose weight. Yeah, much easier right? to gain fat cells than it is to lose fat cells because you don't lose them. They just get smaller, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the shtick is that uh, I'll, I'll give a quick overview on how this thing works to my understanding. Um like in the in the 40s through 60s when everyone was testing nukes apparently one every 9 hours somewhere in the world no, nine was days, getting nine blown. days 9 days yeah. okay cool one nuke every 9 days was getting blown up somewhere in the world by some country doing nuclear testing and one of the many reactions that happens when you drop a nuclear bomb is the nuclear material blitzes the nitrogen in the air and has a reaction and creates a version of carbon that's like slightly unstable called carbon 14 and then that blows across the country across the world gets absorbed by plants animals and we eat it <laughs> and then um that like the cells used uh, or the cells created by the things that we ate um essentially have a timestamp. You can like, they can, scientists can go trace and figure out when that carbon 14, uh, atom was created. And it's, <laughs> it's done. It's allowed us to do a couple of cool things. One being we can date cells, um, which has given us insight into fat. And it seems like other stuff that maybe they didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you um, can technically carbon date any organic matter. Yeah. Right. So you can um, see how old anything is. Yeah. As long as it's within that time frame when we were like, whatever, testing the bombs. Yeah. And, (laughs) and the less, to me, the much less compelling thing you can do with carbon 14 is you can tell when a painting was painted. Um, If it was painted post 1945, you can detect how much carbon 14 went into like the materials to make the canvas and the oil to make the paint. And, this helps prevent art forgery, which I don't give a fuck about. <laughs> right. It's just funny the way they framed it because they were they were just talking about like, you know, how much like they were testing and how it was like, you know, devastating. And he was talking to this guy who was a survivor, this Japanese guy of like Hiroshima and, you know, and how just like devastating it was. And then he was like, but wait, <laughs> maybe we could just be used for good. And you're like, and then he talks about the art thing, and you're like, what? <laughs> That's the, the art thing? thing. <laughs> um, like, on the one hand, you have the potential to massively, and, like, the actuality of having massively devastated hundreds of thousands of people. And on the other hand, you can make rich people not lose tons of money by buying fake art? Like, what? <laughs> this, this led me to a philosophical question of, what is fake art? Isn't all art art? Well, I mean, if they're like, this is a Van Gogh, and it's not Van Gogh, then presumably a person who cared about that shit wouldn't pay as much for it. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I know you agree with me here, mm-hmm. but it's just so silly because you're buying a thing, like, it's a piece of art, therefore you should probably care about how it looks and, like, what like what it looks like. And it was convincing enough to look like a thing, the thing that you thought it was. <laughs> I'm, I am just convinced that all art, like, the entire art, industry is is just money laundering (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't think it's a yeah. real industry at all. <laughs> like, it's just rich people buying, like, artificially expensive things. So that they can launder their fucking drug money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's um, what I think it is. Amazing. I'm sure that's what that stupid banana thing was. You know what I mean? What you Where they had the banana that they duct taped to a wall or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I literally only think this because I saw a TikTok about it. But <laughs> 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 that did seem pretty fucking sus. <laughs> you, were, you were compelled by the TikTok. Well, yeah, it was like a TikTok by some kind of like museum curator or somebody who presumed to have some kind of expertise on this. Got it. You know? Um, I thought that the bit on the surviving the survivors of the bombings in japan was cool mm-hmm. just like learning more mm-hmm. um about how these people that survived the bombs <laughs> uh were now studying them <laughs> um they go in for a checkup once every two years they don't have to but apparently a large number of them still do um and i ma- i mean i imagine like i guess maybe it gives more meaning to the shitty situation that happened you know the idea is that the their the research on their bodies is doing a lot to inform how much uh like radiation and nuclear exposure a human body can take um which i think is pretty cool but (laughs) that they get no benefits yeah they 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 literally don't even pay for their checkups they they don't pay for their health care they don't do anything to help them at all (laughs) I, I would have at least hoped that, that the checkups themselves are free. But what if they're not? No, I think he said they were not. I think he said that they had to pay for them. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we're terrible. I know. We are real trash. Like, this whole thing where they were talking about, like, Oppenheimer deciding, like, oh, should we, like, set it off in the ocean? Or should we kill a bunch of civilians? You know? And it's like, that's the shit that makes me really wonder about this, like, alternate universe of, like, what if we... We really did live in a matriarchal society and the world was run by women. Would that shit ever happen? Like, obviously, there's no way to know because, you know, our society would look totally different and maybe any dominant group of people would be ruthless as hell. But it's just, like, so just comedic to me how, like, shitty of a, like, how can you possibly think that's the right call? (laughs) You know? how yeah like they were like okay well we could put it in the ocean and then have them surrender because they can see how like horrible a blast it is which sounds like it would potentially have been a good decision that sounds like a really good compromise to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) like like i mean i know that there's a lot of lore around like how the emperor of japan was like fanatical and he wasn't gonna stop unless we kept killing everybody whatever whatever but we could have just we could have tried dog Mm -hmm. like like, it's and not like we, if we literally were ready to launch, like, a month after we tested the first bomb, then, like, we, I'm sure we had, like, a couple in our arsenal. We yeah, didn't have we to, had- like, spend, it's not like those were the only two bombs we had, so we have to use it on the civilian population immediately. Yeah, I mean, we had the, four, we had the blueprints now. Mm-hmm. We can build more. Right. So, yeah, I, I had no idea that that was even in the conversation about, like, dropping the bombs in a place that was uninhabited as a warning hey like this is gonna happen to you Mm -hmm. and 
At least you know, give them like, at least if you, even if the, like you know the the leader is not willing to do it, like at least give the the people some time to see what's happening so that they can have some time to like have a coup, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like overthrow I think that if guy. You ask the, I think if you ask the U.S. government, they'd say, "Oh well, we threw pamphlets on the ground." Oh my god! Like they threw they like dropped pamphlets out of planes a couple of days in advance and was like. Y'all need to go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, <laughs> it, it certainly would, it certainly would have been more effective with a demonstration. Right? Yeah, it seems a little half-assed to me. <laughs> and the fact that the justifi- justification was like, oh, well, why wouldn't we just do it? Yeah, I don't really see what the it's justification just 20K. was at all. Right. I think it literally was just a white guy being like, oh, nah, fuck him. And the funny part is that all of the all of the benefits like all of the lemonade that we got from the lemons of bombs is not inherently connected to dropping the bombs on people <laughs> right mm-hmm. like like we got you know the carbon 14 is just in the atmosphere for mostly from the testing like you know just from a lots of nuclear testing and also you know the trinitite which is glass that was made in the bo- in the in the heat of the bombs that allowed us to gather some insights about how the moon was formed was also created specifically at the first test site so you know all of like the benefits of of nuclear testing (laughs) could be independent from the mass destruction of lives Mm -hmm. if we wanted if we wanted them to be yeah it's just wild how willing we are to just like do shit that's going to affect the entire planet and just like not really know what the outcome is going to be you know it could have literally like the carbon 14 or whatever like luckily does not affect us seemingly in a negative way but it could could literally could have just poisoned like everybody in the the planet like (laughs) what (laughs) and like yeah sure like whatever science wasn't as advanced but like you can't set bombs off that big and not think that something's happening to the world when you do it right you know yeah (laughs) <laughs> like it's just like it's, wild it is absolutely wild that we're willing to do something like that yeah and we're still doing it we're doing it all the time we're constantly releasing chemicals into the environment that we have no clue what it's gonna do <laughs> you know yeah that's true um the, so the trinitite was cool because i thought so like the that was named after the first the first site was called like the trinity site which i imagine they didn't explain this at all but i imagine must be like the holy trinity right and like this yeah link i mean to i don't religion. see how it couldn't be well okay here's the one thing i knew about nukes going into this which is which i read in this um journal by madeline langle you know she she wrote like the a wrinkle in time yeah so she has this journal that i read called the crosswicks journals and she knows somebody who was involved in the oppenheimer project which is funny i also there was this kid in in high school that I knew who was also like somehow related to Oppenheimer or like one of the scientists on his team or whatever. And he was like, yeah, like they didn't tell anybody what they were doing. Like they thought they were just doing some cool science on like, you know, you know, on nucleotides or whatever. Right. And like, (laughs) (laughs) like wild, just like how many things like that could possibly be going on like right now. And all these scientists just don't know that it's like actually this like, horrific potential. Wait, was, so was it was it literally that a lot of the scientists didn't know? A lot of scientists were... didn't know that they were working on this. 
wrote so she wrote in her journal that there's she has this link between like science and religion in which right after they did that first test a lot of scientists who had been secular converted to religion interesting yeah that was the point that i was trying to make got it yeah yeah that, i mean that i wouldn't be surprised if that was connected I feel like it's pretty crazy that we don't really think of science that we're doing now as being this like batshit crazy as I feel like people probably thought at that time, right? That was really kind of this golden age or maybe the opposite of golden, dystopian age of feeling like suddenly at any moment we could literally just destroy humanity, you know? <laughs> like your was your first statement that you feel like you're surprised that more people aren't horrified well it's just crazy that we live in a world now where we're really not super like concerned about a lot of the technology that we're making right now there's definitely people who are very afraid of ai but i yeah. don't think that those people are particularly mainstream yeah i think fear of like fear of the capability of technology that we're building is not top of mind for a lot of people even though we've been through this period, right? Where, like, you know, people totally did have, you know, fear that we were going to literally end the world, you know? And, like, <laughs> yeah. we just kind of got over that. You know, I think that, like, uh, after the Cold War, people were maybe just, like, fucking tired of being scared. I don't hopefully know. Hopefully that maybe will happen like, for us after this pandemic, you know? Like, hopefully it will or won't. Hopefully it will. Hopefully we'll be like, ah, okay. Enough of that, eh, you know? No more of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think it's just too hard to think about, you know? Because what it, because, I mean, we tackle this problem. How can you live with that level of existential dread every day? Yeah, we tackle this problem on the show a lot, but what the fuck does the average person do about that? Mm -hmm. You know, like, we stand for, you know, denuclearization. But not, people don't even seem to be doing much of that either, you know? How many people do you know whose, like, top issue is denuclearization. Nobody. Nobody, right? Even Not though even you'd think that given the proportions <laughs> of that problem, it would be top of mind for a lot of people. Yeah. Right? What do you think about the, the idea of deterrence? I, that's the one thing that makes me, like, most, you know, like, there is this quote that this guy was saying in this documentary, saying, in God we trust, in all, honors, in all others we monitor. <laughs> right love it <laughs> amazing yeah and i mean literally people were the one you know event that i think a lot of people would probably have thought would raise these fears again was like trump being president right because everyone was like mm -hmm. oh shit trump has got the nuclear codes you know uh-huh but luckily we uh you know, miss that. <laughs> uh, I think I also think it's probably a pretty hard process to launch a nuclear bomb. Like it probably it can't just be the president decides to do it, right? Well, also like he's friends with Putin, and I guess like the only people he would probably want to bomb is China. And yeah, if that it doesn't even seem like he really hates China that much. It just seems he likes negging them. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I feel like our biggest. And this is just a really layman understanding of the geopolitical space right now. 
I feel like our biggest nuclear threats are Russia and North Korea, and Trump was chummy with both of them. Which is, like, potentially, like, a great move on a foreign yeah. policy standpoint, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? A lot of people, a lot of the, the Republicans do try to sell Trump's, like, relationship building with North Korea as a big plus for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea. I don't know. but It's like, I feel like, <laughs> it, even if you're a quote-unquote expert, I feel like you can't really know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, the the idea of deterrence, I have to admit, is pretty compelling for me, you know? Like, how do you, how do you make sure, because the only way we get to a, a denuclearized world is if everyone, you know, dismantles their nukes, but how do you make sure that everyone dismantles their nukes? You literally can't, right? You can tell if they're testing, but you can't tell if they're, like, you know, keeping their weapons caches, so then we just got to keep nukes around. Yeah. I mean, the the <laughs> fact that it's been so stable ever since the Cold War, I mean, I just I just don't see... We I don't think we're ever going to live in a world where, like, you know, there isn't... Even if we, quote-unquote, denuclearize, it's not like we're going to undo the knowledge of being able to make them. Yeah. So what's the point? Yeah. It's just, it's just a world that we have to live in now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why people don't want to think about it because it's too it's too much. Yeah, and I think that it is generally like a a sanity thing. It's like people who probably do think about that a lot are probably like not doing well. <laughs> you know. I think that's I think that's a good segue into the the international monitoring system. <laughs> the background is that there is a system of like uh, stations across the globe whose whole purpose the whole purpose of them being created was to make sure that no one does any more nuclear testing and they're clued into like ocean waves they're clued into um amount of radioactive material in the air they're clued into seismic activity and you and they can also track things like you know earthquakes and volcanic eruptions and whale migration patterns as a byproduct of you know monitoring the world like this and the, my question is, like, yeah, it, you brought this up while we were watching. It must be so, A, boring, and B, depressing to work at, at, at the IMS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sure being a scientist in basically almost any field sounds like it would be... Depressing and boring. Depressing and probably boring for a, a large majority of them also, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> literally, think about, like, what what science is there right anything where you study like the conditions of the planet probably (laughs) you're not having a great time right now right like (laughs) yeah especially because no one's listening to them yeah like i had a friend who was doing um marine biology and literally she like worked in it for a year or two and then she just you know went to some other field because she was just like this is just not this is just too taxing for my mental health right because every like the coral bleaching is basically an unstoppable process unless we reverse climate change, right? The huge, diverse ecosystems that we have around the world are quickly dying, right? <laughs> like, if this Rapidly. is something that you find even remotely interesting, not not even to the point where you're trying to devote your entire life's work to it because you, like, find it, like, beautiful and fascinating and, like, you know, compelling, like... Even if you were just a, you know, 
casually interested in passing it can't, like it would be depressing you know yeah Anna and i actually um we we like to watch nature shit you know planet earth mm-hmm. or whatever yeah but we've stopped <laughs> specifically <laughs> because at the end of every planet earth episode they're like and this is all dying <laughs> yeah. all this cool shit you watch it's all dying we should do something about mm-hmm. it yeah and the call to action is just too large you know like and if I, yeah, I, I, if I can't even watch the dope ass documentary, I'm sure that I couldn't handle, I couldn't stomach being the scientist that has to watch it all happen in slow motion. <laughs> because unfortunately, we just don't put power in the hands of scientists unless it's some stupid shit like the nuclear bomb, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're like, the second we need to kill a lot of people. In the quickest way possible, they're like, get the scientists in here. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the rest of the scientists, they just uh, pretty much ignore. <laughs> you know? I wonder how the scientists that worked on that project feel about it. Because I, I, I don't... I'm sure pretty fucking shitty. Because, like... How could you not? Unless you were literally a sociopath. I mean, it seemed like Oppenheimer was uh, pretty happy with himself, right? And I'm sure he's a sociopath. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no, there's no other explanation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. There's no way you can feel good about it. No. Um, I recently looked into the the looked into the president that dropped the bombs. I think it's Eisenhower. Truman. 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 Right? Truman. I think it's Truman. The president. Also, Albert Einstein at Young was kind of hot. Yeah, it was Truman. You're right. Yeah, because I remember in history class, we read Truman's letter to the American people, like, explaining why he did this fucked up thing. (laughs) (laughs) He, in his personal diaries, he seemed to express uh, some sadness about what he had to do. (laughs) Truman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But ultimately still made the call. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. I'm not even going to bother with, like, the do you think it was the right call or not because it's not, you know, not worth it, but probably it's not. Just, it's just literally a trolley problem. Uh-huh. Right? Well, do, how do you err in the trolley problem? The trolley problem, I am pro-utilitarianism, but it's just not convincing to me that they they can reliably enough say that like you know however many more hundreds of thousands of people would have died uh-huh um i mean war sucks generally like obviously i feel like people it was like a it was a bad situation to begin with yeah and like we shouldn't have done any of that but like absent any way to you know not have war I don't know. I mean, a lot of people would say that basically nuclear weapons are the reason we don't really have war now. Interstate war. Yeah. And, I, and yeah, I can see that, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I basically, I mean, I do think I basically agree with that, right? The fact that we're able to, like, wipe each other out is a pretty big, you know, peace building <laughs> force. Right? Yeah. And, like, the fact that if you shoot the bomb, I'm going to shoot the bomb back at you and we're all going to die. 
Yeah, um, it's like if you have parents, if you're a parent and you're trying to get your kids to stop fighting and you're like, oh, well, if you keep fighting, I'll literally just kill you both. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing is that with the U.S., they also we also have a very sophisticated defense system. Mm-hmm. So if someone shot a nuke at us, we'd know about it. And, prob- and hopefully be able to do something about it. We'd and probably, like we'd probably have be it go to, off in the air or something. Yeah, we'd probably be able to blow it up over the ocean. And mm-hmm. then we'd probably shoot a nuke at you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't know about the missile defense systems of other countries, but... They gotta whatever. be, you know, somewhat, they you know, robust, I think. Yeah. They have right. to be good enough or else they'd be blown up, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God, I had a point that I can't remember. Yeah, I I guess if there was, and this will never exist, right? If there was some way uh, to determine that, like, actually more lives were saved by dropping these bombs, then I guess my utilitarian self would have to be cool with it. But, you know, I'm never going to be pro-bombs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And especially now that I learned, like we said before, now that I learned that they didn't even, like, want to give the warning shot mm-hmm. yeah like to me then it's just like like okay you didn't even try like you don't, you didn't care yeah here's the thing that's crazy though i think that we see it as so much more just unquestionably immoral that they like made this active decision to kill a couple hundred thousand people right but compare that to this pandemic that was an equally like you know i think you know the president of the u.s is at fault right yeah it's just that Instead of this active decision, even though it was kind of an active decision, we see what he's doing as as negligence. And I think that people hold Trump a lot less morally culpable than Truman. Huh, that's a good point. Right? That's like kind of the trolley, you know, where when people answer the trolley problem of being like, no, I just don't want to interfere. I'm not going to pull a lever to kill anybody. Yeah. In fact, I mean, and yeah, the situation should have been much easier here, right? It should have been like, we can pull a lever and less, like like produce outcomes that like create a minimum amount of deaths <laughs> or we can not. And he just, yeah, he chose not to. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people think that that is unforgivable. What Trump was doing, like not telling people that it was airborne and stuff like that when he knew. Yeah. I think a lot of people do, do view that as unforgivable. Like mm-hmm. do put, I mean, at least the Democratic narrative when, you know, during the debates and especially I I remember Bernie saying this so much, like the deaths of like, no, when we hit 200K, the narrative was like these 200K like fall squarely on your shoulders, you know? Yeah, but I think that's a much harder narrative for them to push among the general American populace than, like, you know, it is for someone where it's literally just, like, push button, kill a thousand people, right? Yeah. It's less tangible. Yeah. And that's, I think that's always been part of the problem with this thing is, like, people can't fucking see it. Yeah, and it it really, like, in, in, in my international relations classes, we would always talk about how we don't put enough thought into framing public health as a national security issue right right when it really is I if it's literally just a function of how many people are dying you get a lot more bang for your buck from like whatever medication than bombs or fighter jets mm-hmm. 
is is the national security angle just that people are dying and we can stop it like american citizens are dying well i mean like national security is like okay what's going to keep american lives safe yeah right isn't that like the basic premise behind national security yeah is protect american lives yeah and like certainly the president's like dismissal of the severity of the pandemic at the beginning is what has led to like is what has led to a lot of the mass doubt that we see right yeah like the the fact that this became a political issue um has certainly directly translated into deaths and that's fucked up yeah um Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think it, it probably is just because we can't see it. And war, I mean, if there's anything that war does, it really does unite the, unite America, right? Like people, wartime presidents are like extremely successful, like always get reelected because they're mm-hmm. viewed as heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything you learn about history just makes you realize that we're just a bunch of idiots. <laughs> We've just been continuously doing a bad job. What for a long good time. thing? What's the last good thing you can remember America doing on a like you know super you know global scale? Um, America or like Americans? You know, like America as a country. You know, the American government. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. We probably we send aid to places. <laughs> Oh my god. The one woman who writes anything, the one African woman who's ever written about aid is named Dambisa Moyo, and her book is called Dead Aid, and she believes you should 100% cut all of our aid to Africa because that is what's keeping African nations poor because they can't compete. Local farmers can't compete with our free corn. So they literally can't even (laughs) grow an economy. Right? How can you compete with free? I've heard a similar thing about... um like toms yeah you know like where they give a pair of shoes to like a person in a poor country for every pair of shoes yeah. you buy it just it just means that ultimately like no african shoemakers can ever compete right 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 <laughs> well it's been a good pod <laughs> <laughs> I never really know how to transition out of an episode that's just us. Well, consider this. We started the pandemic on episode (laughs) 36. And this is going to be episode 70. There's no way. So in two episodes, we will have done half our podcast in this pandemic. That's not true. It can't be true. Go back and look at episode 36. It's the first time I mentioned the coronavirus in the description. Oh, no. I'm looking mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the childbirth episode. Mm-hmm. The many problems. Ah, corona babies. Mm-hmm. As we collectively sit inside waiting for the coronavirus to pass. <laughs> I know. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that wild?
Well, I hate that a lot. <laughs> As always, if you liked what you heard, um, you can reach us at I'm the Villain Pod. That is our Twitter. That's our Instagram, and that is our Gmail. Otherwise, bye.